Well, I'm talking about Christmas joy today. And uh, I'd like to start by reading a poem that I wrote a number of years ago. It's entitled Christmas Irony. I don't think people realize how much irony is involved in the Christmas story. Shepherds, Palestinian rednecks, society's rejects, repugnant rejects, with reputations so revolting, they were forbidden to testify in courts of law. Unlikely witnesses chosen by God to catch a glimpse of his glory and testify in the world's court to the birth of his son. Magicians from Iraq, hated and feared by the Jews then as much as now, stars not controlling, simply confessing a king is born, signs engraved in the expanding explosive universe, trajectories targeted together, mapped out by the creator-designer billions of years ago So ants walking on this speck of dust could look at the heavens and know that God, not Hallmark, cared enough to send the very best. Herod, puppet king, arrogant, pompous, filled with greed and lust for power, matched only by his fear, fear that what he had stolen from others would be ripped out of his own hands by someone more wicked and crafty than himself. Having killed his wife and three of his sons, unjustified paranoia. Caesar said it's safer to be Herod's pig than his son. Nothing would stop his blood-stained conscience from killing dozens of babes in hopes of destroying the coming Messiah. Caesar Augustus. Ruler of the empire, satisfying his every whim, conducting a worldwide census to appease his desires for more power and wealth, all the time not knowing that God, the real emperor, was channeling Caesar's greed, disrupting the schedule of everyone simply to guarantee the birthplace of this coming king. Joseph, a just man, But just a man, torn between his love and his pain, unwilling to find revenge, equally unwilling to parent someone else's supposed one-night stand, he accepted the unacceptable, believed the unbelievable, and faded back into anonymity, faithfully fulfilling out his bit part to honor divinity. Mary, A young woman, mature in faith far beyond her years, accepting the eternal seed that would fill millions of hearts with hope and joy and hers with pain. The innkeeper, unfairly maligned, providing what he could, even his nice rooms being more like a stable than a holiday inn, helping satisfy God's sense of humor and irony the Savior and King of the universe, born in a stable. Uh, The Christmas story is filled with irony. The shepherds, the magicians, Herod, Caesar, Joseph, Mary, the innkeeper. So ironic and yet so powerful. 
so humble and yet so majestic. Let's pray. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We ask you to guide and direct us, to speak to us today, and not just speak to us, but to fill us with your joy this Christmas season. And may your joy flow from us to others through the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So many exciting stories connected with the Christmas story. We have, if I can have some scripture, we have wise men. It says that the wise men, when they saw the star, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These wise men rode camels and or walked over 580 miles to get from Iraq to Bethlehem. Um, Washington, D.C. is 517 miles from Potsdam. How many of you would like to walk there or ride a camel there? (laughs) One person. (laughs) Have fun. Well, they traveled that distance because they saw a sign in the heavens. And they brought gifts. They brought frankincense. Frankincense back then would be worth the equivalent of roughly $500 a pound today. Uh, Myrrh was worth about $4,000 a pound today. And they brought gold which would be about $17,000 by today's money. Back then it was about $600. Uh, But they brought these gifts to present to this baby because they saw a star. And when they got close to Bethlehem, they saw the star and their hearts rejoiced. Hey, we found him. We can now give away all this wealth to this special person, whoever he may be. Mary, after the angel appeared to her, went to to visit Elizabeth. And Elizabeth had John the Baptist in her womb. And as Mary came in the door, said, Elizabeth, where are you? The baby leaped for joy. John the Baptist as an infant in the womb, sensed the presence of the Lord and weeped, leaped for joy. And then we have those shepherds. In Luke chapter 2 it says, The angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. The fact that God would send the angels not to the great leaders of the land, but to shepherds in the field. As I read in the poem, shepherds were of such poor reputation that they were not allowed to give testimony in court because they were a bunch of liars. 
God says, who am I going to, to get to bear testimony to the birth of my son? I know, I'll get shepherds. <laughs> Is that a sense of humor or not? Huh? Who am I going to get to preach the gospel today in Potsdam? I know, I'll use the people at New Hope. You get the point? (laughs) God is willing to use anybody, including you and me, to spread the good news. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, this is going to be great joy for all the people. The religious leaders of Jesus' day believed that the Messiah was coming and he would be great joy for them but not for all the people, not for those shepherds, not for the Gentiles, not for all those out there. But the angel said he's going to be great joy for all the people. Jesus came to bring us joy. A lot of us come to church looking like we've sucked on lemons. Jesus wants us to have joy. Amen? The Saturday after Thanksgiving, which just happened a week or so ago, that Saturday was the 55th anniversary of my wife and I getting engaged. I had graduated from college and went um, that summer to InterVarsity's Cedar Campus, which was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And... uh, Jane was in medical school, had completed her first year, and was up there, and we were both on work crew. And I remember the first time I saw her. And um, then we were, the next week we were at a, a, uh, a party for the work crew. And afterwards we were to carry the refreshments up to the kitchen and the leftovers and so I picked up a bunch of stuff and I timed it so that I walked out of the door exactly at the same time she was (laughs) oh hi I'm John who are you and uh, so we connected and I made it a point to have lunch with her every day and sit at the table with her at noontime and the other meals too actually And uh, so we started dating and fell in love. And uh, I went back to, I went to seminary, north side of Chicago. She went back to medical school up in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, I drove up there one weekend, and as an afterthought, I said, hey, how would you like to come home with me for Thanksgiving? And she said, I'd love to. So I let my folks know. (laughs) And uh, I went up and got her, and and we had Thanksgiving. And then that Saturday afternoon, we were together, sitting alone in the living room. And I said, Jane, you know, I love you enough to marry you, but I love you enough to not marry you. And you have been called to be a missionary a medical missionary, and I've been called to be a pastor, and we've got two different callings. So I love you enough to marry you, but I love you enough to not marry you. 
And I was expecting her to say thank you, and that would be the end of it. And she said, oh, maybe I'm not called after all. I accept. (laughs) That's the weirdest proposal you ever heard of, right? (laughs) But what I remember is the joy that filled my heart. And that evening, as we spent the evening together, I just had such joy in my heart, the greatest joy I had experienced. And I still have that joy. And she just felt lovely. And Jane is very sorry that she can't be here today, but she's got digestive issues that don't allow her to be here. The point is that joy comes out of love. Amen? Let's look at some scripture. I want to look at John chapter 15. Can we have that up on the board? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my joy. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Remain in my love. We remain in God's love, and the result is joy. Joy comes from love. And that begins with our new birth in Christ. When we invite Jesus Christ to come into our lives and be transformed by his. And we experience that new life. We experience God's love coming into us, and the result is joy. And as we walk in Christ, we grow in that relationship of love. And out of that comes our joy. And if we're struggling today to find joy in our lives, what we need to do is not to try, how can I have a good religious experience to have more joy? It's how can I walk more deeply in God's love? How can I experience his love? And the love will flow out of that. Amen. The second thing that's in that passage is that Jesus chose us and appointed us to go and bear fruit and our fruit should remain. 
so that whatever we ask in the Father's name, he may give us. And I command you these things so that you will love one another. If we need to experience God's love to experience his joy, our brothers and sisters in Christ need to experience love to experience joy, right? And God says, love one another. We bring joy into other people's lives by loving them. Beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, but those out in the world also, God calls us to love them. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, can we have this? Yes. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day you'll no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He was talking to the disciples before he was crucified and resurrected and ascending into heaven. He said, you're going to have a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow, but it's like a woman who's giving birth. While the birth process is going on, there's a lot of pain, but afterwards, there's a lot of joy. And that's what it's like when Jesus was born again and raised. And that's what it's like in our lives as we experience new life, we have a complete joy. And as we share that life with others out in the world, and they come to Christ, they come to joy. As we love one another, we infuse joy in the lives of each other. This is the joy of Christmas. This is the joy of that child coming and what it means for us today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you came not just to forgive sins, but to impart to us joy deeply. Help us, Lord, to spread that joy by spreading your love. In Jesus' name, amen.